eight-day reading plan that many of us have already signed up for, and today you still have an opportunity to sign up for that, the Community Bible Experience, where we read 40 days through the New Testament. And I know that some of you feel like you've just signed up for a marathon that you haven't trained for. I know what you're thinking. Some of you think, yeah, I, I, bought, I bought that thing last week, and I've looked at it, and I don't know, 12, 12 pages approximately a week, five, five days, uh, 12 pages a day for about five days a week, and, and then gathering together to talk about it. I don't know if I'll be able to do this, but you know what? Just like signing up for a 5K, 10K marathon, guess what? It's okay if you walk a bit. It's okay if you lie down on the side of the road for a few hours. <laughs> what's important is that we travel this together and get to the finish line. So I'm really excited about this series that we've embarked on uh, called uh, The Community Bible Experience. Um, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, getting together with, with God's Word at the center, with a group of people to discuss what God is saying to you, amazing and admittedly sometimes bizarre things can happen. Who knows how God is going to move us? And that's why we've themed this whole series this fall movement, how God's word moves us, so that as we get together, we're able to talk about that. This is what's going on. This is where my my confusion lies. This is the challenge that's being placed in front of me. This is the way that God is moving in me and through me. Well, I thought I'd start off with a bit of fun, because you were looking for that when you came here this morning, weren't you? A, A little bit of a pop quiz. I called it, is it in there? One more slide, Jack. There we go. Is it in there? As in, is it in the Bible? Okay, so I'm going to throw some popular phrases to you, and, and I don't know if you want to take uh, your, your bulletin or whatever and you know, put a line down, put a yes or a no, or, and, and, and you know, keep score. I don't know if some of you want to really get brave and put up your hand. I, I don't know. I'm going to hold off in letting you know whether it's in there or not till the end, but I'm going to say a phrase, and you can decide, is it in there or not? Some popular phrases. First one, God will never give you anything you can't handle. Is it in there? Oh, hey, oh, you're a quiet bunch. Eh? You're just going to keep score on your own? Nobody's going to shout that out. Okay, next one. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Is it in there? Okay, how about this one? Everything happens for a reason. Is it in there? Okay. The Lord works in mysterious ways. In there? Yes? No? How about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Is it in there? Okay. Cleanliness is next to godliness. And some of the parents are saying, I hope it's in there. And some of the teenagers are saying, I hope it's not in there. Okay. Next phrase. Money is the root of all evil. Is it in there? Okay, all right. Now this one, this next one is super, super tricky. Listen very carefully. Here it is. Just keep swimming. I think it's in Jonah somewhere, isn't it? Just keep swimming. Okay, next one. This too shall pass. Is it in there? Two more. God wants you to be happy. in there and the last one always follow your heart okay you you've made your list now two of them were two of them in there 
How about five of them? Were five of them in there? How many were in there? Answer? None of them were in there. Not a single one. And I'm not going to call, that's why I didn't call out anyone. I want anyone to feel dumb this morning, okay? But the reality is some of them reflect a version of truth that we may even say could be extrapolated from Scripture. Uh, Some of them flat out contradict what the Bible says. But the truth is, they're popular phrases that we often hear. And for some of us, we aren't sure. Like, do they come from the Bible? Do they not come from the Bible? What's the point of all this? Well, here's the deal. We all carry ideas. Ideas about God, ideas about Jesus, ideas about life, ideas about what the Bible says or the Bible doesn't say. Uh, maybe, maybe things about the life of Jesus or the teachings of Jesus. And some of them, the things that we hear, some of the ideas that we carry, they're true. They're true ideas, or they're at least partially true. Some of them are not true at all. But the trouble is we don't often know what's what. We've just heard it. We've kind of thought it. And these ideas, they can bump along fairly nicely. They can kind of congeal and make sense in our heads until something happens that upsets everything. You know what that is? We actually read the Bible. <laughs> you catch a post on Instagram or you, you, you crack open the dusty family Bible or you, you watch it or listen to it uh, on audio or maybe you sign up for a connect group and you bought one of those books of the Bible, which is the, is the New Testament in a different format, and you start reading along and you, you bump into something that you didn't expect to hear. And, and it can be very disorienting for our lives. Everything could get tossed around. Why? Because the Bible doesn't always say what we thought it would say. It doesn't always say what people told us it said. It doesn't say necessarily what we assume. The Bible all of a sudden doesn't support that pet theory I've been carrying, assuming God was in my court. It doesn't prop up my favorite excuse. The the Jesus we meet on the pages of this book isn't quite as soft and fluffy and slightly anemic as we thought he was. He's challenging. He says offensive things. He calls people to give up. Their livelihoods, he calls people to change their ways. He calls people to follow him in radical ways. In fact, more than just disorienting, what we hear in the Bible can be, let's be honest, disturbing. Especially when we hear something that runs smack against something we like to do. Something that we've believed for a long time. Some practice in our life or some habit or some some worldview or idea. We we run into it. I mean... What, what the Bible has to say about sex is deeply disturbing for some of us. What's even more disturbing is what Jesus goes and says about money. Huh. Then you go on and read things like forgiveness or how, hmm, how harsh the Bible is about gossip. These things can be very disturbing to us. We can stumble across stuff that makes us tempted to either slam the Bible shut or, or just sort of like, like, okay, let's just kind of flip a few pages past or maybe gently replace this on the shelf and hope it doesn't do that again. Or maybe we want to throw it across the room, dismiss it altogether, kind of give a shrug and go, woof, I'm not going to do that. Or maybe, just maybe, we read something that's intriguing enough to us that we want to dig deeper. We want to go further. We, we find someone on the pages of this book that calls us deeper in. Now, this can be true for those of us who are new to the Bible, who are just exploring faith for the first time, as some of you are, who are acknowledging as we get into this community Bible experience this fall that this is going to be the, the marathon of a lifetime that you've never run, like 
You've never read the Bible, so you're like kind of daunted by this. But you know what? The truth is, for some of us who've been following Jesus for a fair bit, could acknowledge that it's going to be pretty daunting for us too. We haven't read the whole thing. Or maybe it's sat on the shelf for a while. Or a practice of reading 15, 20 minutes a day is something that's gone a little cold in our lives. So we can be challenged by that. And then some of us who are regular scripture readers, who've been pretty immersed in this stuff, let's be honest, sometimes we find that there's certain passages we've been ducking. Implications for our lives that we've been kind of setting to the side and hoping Jesus doesn't notice. When we come to the scripture, God speaks. And he moves us, and it can be profoundly disturbing, disorienting, but it's also powerful as he moves us to respond. That's why I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about the opportunity we have, really unprecedented opportunity we have as a whole church to actually get on the same page, literally, to hear what the Bible says, to gather and listen to one another as we walk through this, as we let God speak to us and move in us and move through us. So here's what I, what I want to do this morning. I'd like to help us get the most we can out of the next couple months. And to do that, I'm looking to a story that's found at the end of the Gospel of Luke, which is for the, all of us who are starting this reading, it's, you know, we start tomorrow. We open up that thing, page one, we start tomorrow. We read the Gospel of Luke this week. And this story that we're going to look at today is found at the end of the Gospel of Luke. And not only will it introduce, I think, some key practices that will make Scripture reading uh, you know, amazing for us, but it also is going to lead us to the main point of it all, which is communion with Jesus. So let's walk through this story together. It's uh, in your Bible, Luke 24. It's on an insert in your bulletin. And if you bought one of those books of the Bible this morning, you actually have it on you, it's toward the bottom of page 52. Here it is. Luke 24, 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Same day what? Same day that Jesus rose again from the dead. So it's chronicling a number of events that have happened that day. And we've already, if you read earlier in Luke, you've already heard one. So on that same day, same day Jesus rose again, again from the dead, two of them, two of his followers, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here, there in these days? <laughs> what things? He said, I can just see it. Jesus, hey, having a hard time keeping the smirk off his face. You know what I mean? Oh, oh. <laughs> what things? <laughs> About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see 
Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, let's just pause for a moment. I want you to notice a couple things about this story so far, because they actually demonstrate something crucial for us, even as we dig into the New Testament over the next few months together. First, I want you to notice the importance of discussion. These guys are cruising along the road, and what are they doing? They're talking about what has confused them. They're talking about their disappointment. They're talking about how we thought it was going to be one thing, but now it's another. And we don't know what to do with this information. We're at a total loss. They're sharing that with each other. They're putting it out in the open. They're expressing their disappointment. They're expressing their confusion. They're arguing. They're trying to piece together this new bit of information that they received, that Jesus is missing. What's going on? They're discussing together because it was into that conversation that Jesus came. It was into their discussion, into their confusion, into their questions that Jesus showed up. And I'm convinced that that is crucial for us in our spiritual growth. I'm convinced that if we will regularly grapple with what God has said and share that with each other and express the confusion and express the doubts and and bring the questions out and chase things down together and try to try to fit what God's word says and what's going on in my life and how, how does this work together? That as we do that in community with each other, whether it's through a connect group, whether it's over coffee with a friend, that as we do that, Jesus joins the conversation. You know, one of the things that in a number of studies have been done on why youth stay in the church afterwards, as in, how is it that so many youth who've grown up in the Christian church leave the church, go, to, go, go off into life, not just university and college, into the trades, into work, and often their faith falters? And one of the things that they highlighted that was true of churches that were seeing lots of youth go off into a young adulthood and still follow Jesus, one of the things they noticed was they were communities where they were allowed, they were encouraged to express their doubts. That one of the things that held youth back as they got into young adulthood and they got into family life and they, they went on, one of the things that held them back from really following Jesus was that they lived in a community where they weren't allowed to express doubt, as in it wasn't allowed. You know, they, they, people frowned on it or they, they freaked out or whatever. Unexpressed doubt is what would hinder youth, young adults, from following Jesus. One of, one of the things, there was, there was a number of things that we were able to highlight. And what I love about this is Jesus comes in, and this is the next point. Jesus comes in, and he begins to question, ask good questions to draw them out, to get them to share more exactly of what they're wrestling with and what they were struggling with. And Jesus here, he's like the master teacher, right? He hears this conversation and this discussion. He comes in. He doesn't immediately jump on top of it and say, oh, come on, guys. Let me tell you what's going on. What does he do first? He asks questions. He could have just stepped in and told them the answer, right? But there's something powerful about him saying, tell me more about this. What, what, what things are you confused by? Let, you know, and he, he's nurturing them. He's, he's getting them, letting them get it all out there. So that when he then does begin to show them through the scripture how it connects, he's actually answering their heart question. How is it that God said this, but this happened to Jesus? That's their question. 
And Jesus says, let me tell you. And he guides them through the scriptures and shows them the answer to the questions that they were carrying, the doubts that were racking their hearts at that moment. That true, that is true for us. It's true for us in community. And I, again, I can't help but think this fall as we're gathering together, one of the reasons why this, uh, these connect groups and this experience of the community Bible experience, one of the things um, that's significant is when we gather together in our groups, it's not about a teacher being present to give you the answer to all the questions you have. Good luck finding someone that can do that. It's about coming together and actually nurturing one another's questions, saying, tell me more about what you're wrestling with. Let me hear more about that question. Oh, oh how, how, is that, how is that troubling you? And that's why the focus of our connect groups this fall, our facilitators are just there to help the conversation, to guide the questions, to, to get people talking. And then we'll see how Jesus gets in the mix and helps us wrestle with that and answer some of the questions. The third thing to point out, it's pretty obvious, is that Jesus himself shows them how the whole scripture story is all about him. That the whole story points to him. The whole story leads to him. It culminates in him. He's talking specifically about the Old Testament. We're reading the New Testament this fall. But Jesus is the lens through which we see and understand everything Scripture says. Because it's all about him. Well, that's what we heard so far. And I love this. I'm looking forward to our experience this fall. As a church, as a whole, as we gather together, as we read this story and we see how it's all about Jesus. But we can't miss what comes next in the story because it's not enough to just be convinced in our minds that scripture is all about Jesus. It's not enough to have a, you know, a few things lined up to show how it points to Jesus. We've got to actually take that next step and actually meet him for who he is, to let Jesus show us who he is, to re- help, help us realize that he is actually present right here in our lives. Jesus doesn't want us just to know about him, right? He wants us to know him personally. So look what happens next. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, can we just stop here for a moment and name the super obvious? When's the last time Jesus was at a table and he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and passed it around? Anyone? Yeah. It wasn't very long before. In fact, it's just back a chapter or a few pages back, back a couple chapters. In Luke 22, 19, I read, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, it's kind of socially interesting what Jesus does here. Because Jesus shows up, he's the guest, right? He was going on. But they compelled him to stay. So he comes into the house, and what does he do? All of a sudden, he's the host of the meal. All of a sudden, he's grabbing the food out of the kitchen, as it were. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He's breaking it. He's, he's blessing it. He's handing it out. He's suddenly, it's like the tables have turned, and he is now the host. Why would he do that? He does it for one reason. One reason alone. It's the point of everything that's happened so far. Jesus wants to reveal himself to them, to his followers, 
as their risen Lord. Look, look what happens. After Jesus gives them the bread, I quote, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And they, the eleven, were saying to them, the two that just walked in, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. That's Peter. Then the two told what happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Jesus first helps these two disciples see him through the biblical story. He guides them through the story to show them that it's all about him. And then he opens up their eyes so they can actually see him who's alive, who's real, who's present, right there at the table of communion. This is so significant. Jesus moves his disciples from the head to the heart. And they're both important. They're both needed. But he leads them from a place of just seeing Jesus in the scripture, which is important, to seeing him at their table, to seeing him in their lives. And he, he does it in the context of this meal, in the context of, of communion. Jesus shows himself through this taken and blessed and broken and given bread, just as he does for us. And as we begin this series that's going to take up the next couple months and as we're reading together and as we're gathering together, we're going to learn so much about Jesus we're going to learn so much about the Father. We're going to learn so much about the Spirit. We're going to learn so much about what it means to follow Him and what it means to love people and what it means to deal with stuff in our life that's been getting in the way and what it means to just follow Him. We're going to learn so much. But all of that leads here, leads to the place of communion with Jesus, leads us to the table with Him where we sit with Him, we eat with Him, we receive from Him, we recognize that He is present in our lives. He meets us there and he reveals himself to us, opening the eyes of our heart so that we can see him. Jesus wants to meet us every day. He wants to walk with us every day. And here today at this table, he wants to meet us. He wants to open our eyes at the breaking of the bread so that we can see him. What an invitation. And that's what we're going to go today. We're going to go to communion and following communion. I'm going to wrap up this message with a few key practical points. But I want you not to miss that this is actually where it all points to. This is actually where it all heads. That everything we are about, gathering to worship, centered around his word, meeting to discuss, learning about Jesus, all of it leads to knowing him and trusting him and seeing him. To saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. Thank you for your life given for me. You have mine. That's where it leads. So I want to invite those who are serving communion this morning to come. I'm going to serve them. Well, very practically, what does this mean for us? Let me share with you four practices as you leave here today that I believe will help you get the most out of the community Bible experience, but really out of any scripture reading. It comes from the passage that we looked at today. The first one is the priority of discussion, the priority of questions. I want to challenge you to be the kind of people that actually talk together about what you read. That do away with all this private, private stuff where we, we kind of keep it to ourselves all the time. We never express the question. We never express the doubt. We never kind of bring it into the light and talk about it. 
Be the kind of people that say, you know what? We're going to read this out loud, literally. We're going to come together. We're going to ask the questions that are begging to be asked. Ask the things that have come up in our lives and, and really see Jesus show up in that context. It's particularly true of our connect groups this fall. And if you're just here today uh, and you haven't had an opportunity to think about joining a connect group, there are a number that are still open for you to join. And for eight weeks uh, through October and November, we'll be gathering to read together and to talk about what we're hearing God say. And so I really want to challenge you to, to sign up today uh, for that to meet, to discuss, but to make it a priority in in your life to do that. The second one is to remember that it's all about Jesus, that it really is, that everything we read is about coming to know him personally, knowing about him, yes, but ultimately that leads us to Jesus himself, the one who gives us life, and to acknowledge that we need Jesus to guide our conversation. We need him to be part of this discussion. We need him to be our master teacher, to show us how he is present in the scripture, but to show us how he is present in our lives. Let him reveal himself to us and lead us deeper into a relationship with him. The third thing I want to challenge you as you gather around God's word is to pay attention to the burning. (laughs) I'm not talking about too much pizza either. Pay attention to the burning, the burning heart, the burning question. The burning in your mind. This is very significant that as we read God's word, there are times when something leaps out to us. Something provokes us. Something makes us upset. Something confuses us. Something keeps us awake at night and we're churning because it's somehow Jesus has said something that comes into contradiction with something in my life and I'm, I'm bothered by that and I'm trying to figure this out or, 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 or it highlights a disappointment in my heart in my life with something about God or something I thought God had said he would do. Whatever it is, pay attention to the burning because it's there at the burning heart, the burning mind, the burning question. I believe that Jesus wants to enter into that and help us move forward. So don't ignore that. Sometimes it's easy to ignore it because it's uncomfortable or it challenges us. Pay attention to the burning. Follow into that and see where Jesus leads. And then the the fourth thing I want to mention is that we take action. You know, what I love about this story, there's a few things, but one of the things I love about it is these guys, it's dark. It's after supper. How many of you like to go out after supper? How many of you like to walk seven miles into Creston after supper in the dark? What I love about these guys is they're already settled in for the night. But something so huge has happened that they get up from the table and they run back to Jerusalem because they've got some amazing news to share, something that changes everything. Jesus himself is alive. They take action. They move on it. I think that challenges for all of us, that as we gather, as we hear God's word, as, as God's word, word is opened up to us, as we hear Jesus speak, we've got to respond. We've got to move on it. We've got to take the action that God is showing us to take. And sometimes that's uncomfortable, and sometimes that's challenging, and sometimes that's truly amazing, and sometimes you want to jump up and down, and sometimes you want to cower under the couch. But we've got to take action as God speaks to us and as he moves us. If we will do this, we are going to see Jesus move us, move in our lives, and move through us. And I believe that as we do that in community, amazing and perhaps even bizarre, things will happen to us. I, for one, am excited about this series, and I hope that you and us together, as we travel through God's word, uh, we'll get the most we can out of it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for leading us to communion, to show us who you really are. 
given for us. He gave up everything for us. You've invited us to experience your life and your forgiveness. To see you at the table and to follow you. And Lord Jesus, I just pray for us as a community that as we hear your word spoken, as we read it, as we allow your word into our lives and into our conversations, that we would be transformed as a result. We pray for this whole community Bible experience. We pray that all of us would, would, would be able to uh, not only come to know about you a lot more, but truly come to know you. In your name we pray. Amen.